What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day. Free on all platforms, five days a week. Start your day listening to it. Tell your friends to do the same. Make it your first listen. And you guys will have, y'all will have something to talk about by the time you get to lunch. Today's show, I got a fun plan for you. I've done this in the past and uh, I have cre- crafted my perfect offseason, my ideal offseason for the Blazers, what I've previously called an A-plus offseason. A-pluses are, A+ are hard to hand out, so we're going to call it ideal offseason. Ideal offseason this year. What is What does an ideal offseason look like for the Portland Trailblazers? I'm going to keep it reasonable. I'm going to keep it cap legal. Um we're not going to not going to be particularly outrageous, but I've got a plan for the Blazers. Uh, you're listening to this on Thursday, June 30th. Uh, if you're listening to it late in the day, free agency has started. Hopefully, you're listening to it earlier in your day. I'm going to put it out, uh, put it out quickly. It'll be you know available at the the crack of dawn, so you can start your day with it. Um, I recognize this as a super short shelf life. Like I just want to say that up front, uh, the Blazers are going to make moves and make decisions and the rest of the league is going to make decisions that are going to um, render this particular episode uh, dated. But uh, regardless of when you're listening to it, like if stuff had already happened, I want to use this as like a what I would do. Because many of you ask like, what should they do? What should they do? Here's what I would do. we're going to, we'll do it in three parts like we do every episode, but let, let's start with the first thing the Blazers need to do is, is take care of their own. That's, uh, it's, it's really important. Um, there's been some reporting that the Blazers are going to offer Damian Lord a two-year max contract extension. If you've listened to this podcast, I have been saying, I think they're going to do that for months, like for, since January, basically. Uh, and that's not to pat myself on the back. That's just to say, it's always kind of felt like it was heading in this direction. Um, if you spent any time close to the team, that's kind of... Uh, was it seems like it was heading in this direction um and if you listen to this podcast it gets you closer to the team and you could tell that it was kind of heading in this direction Damon Lord is almost certainly going to agree to a two-year, I believe it's like 116 but over 100 100 million dollar max contract extension that would keep him in uh make him he'd be under contract for five total years with the Blazers or five seasons uh with the Blazers after the the extension He'd be making a bunch of money. We'll talk about when it happens. Let me tell you, my ideal offseason doesn't include giving Damian Lord $100 million. Not because I don't think he's worth it. Uh, worth is a weird way to talk about it. But like, um, it's if he's under contract for you know two more years plus a player option, uh, I don't want to commit to giving a 35-year-old $55 million in a salary cap league. It's not about worth. It's about just like the nature of the business. It's a salary cap league. Uh, it's... If, even if the cap jumps up to 150 million, 155 million, giving someone 50 million bucks, 33% of the cap, it, it's just gonna be really hard to be competitive. Um, it, it puts such an onus on you to already have good players in the roster and continue to resign them, a la Golden State. Like it just it makes it makes everything so difficult. So, in my ideal offseason, you do not give Damian Lillard the um, extension. Not that he's not worth it. Not that it's just like literally just in a salary cap league, it seems like an overpay for someone at his that that will be his age. And he's already under contract for multiple seasons. You've already got him. You've already got him. I understand the sort of realities, though, of the actual the way the league actually works. If you don't do this, maybe Dame gets mad and asks out. But like in my world, Dame doesn't get mad. That's the ideal offseason. I don't give him $100 million and he doesn't get mad. It's ideal. But I am going to keep uh, the rest of, or retain the rest of the Blazers free agents. Let's start with the easy one. Uh, 
I want to give Anthony Simons five years, $100 million. The reporting and the guesses here, but like guesswork first, then reporting, which might just be guesswork from people who weren't plugged in. But is that uh, Ant is going to sign for something like four for 80? But I think it's really important for because four for 80 might be a deal. Five for 20, uh, five for 100 would be even a better deal, like average annual value of $20 million. Um, lock Ant into that contract. That's a team, that's a, could be a really team friendly deal if Ant outperforms it. If he doesn't, like if Ant doesn't take this step to become an all-star it's the price of a good starter and i think ant's like floor is good starter like he has this he has some star potential like you can see it kind of breaking through um when he was the number one guy he was great he's not going to be the number one guy when he's back so like some of the there's some question for at least from on my end it's like what is ant like if he's like supercharged number two um he's in in the cj mccollum role um he could be darn good, right? Like I think he could outperform a $20 million contract pretty quickly, but we haven't really, you know, he just doesn't have this giant body of work to suggest that he's going to take this massive step forward. He has a small body of work that suggests who boy, could he be good? He is star, star burns very bright. So five for a hundred. I want five years of Amphrey Simons. I want to commit to it long-term. Like how much do I believe in Amphrey Simons? I want to give him basically as, as many years I possibly can. Five years of team control. My next move will be offering Yusuf Nurkic kind of the reverse of that. Three for 51 is what I would like to sign Yusuf Nurkic to. That's an average annual value of $17 million. Uh, You know, there's there's some longevity concerns with, with Nurk, just like health-wise. He was healthy this year and fine. Um, and it's a bummer that he just didn't play a whole bunch of games and kind of get to kill that narrative himself. Um, you know, for, for whatever team decision-making reasons that let, kept him away from away from the court at the end of the year. But like... Uh, you know, Nurk has Nurk has dealt with some health stuff. I think there's just like a sort of a relatively less centers are seen as relatively less valuable. But it's not like I don't want to get rid of Nurk. I just don't want to sign him for four full seasons or five. You know, you know, I don't want to sign him for as long as possible. I think three for three for fifty one at about seventeen per is like a perfect contract for Nurk. Ideal, some would say, ideal contract for Nurk. So you get Ant five for a hundred. You get Nurk three for fifty one, and then you're left with, um, you know. Uh, Shaden Sharp's going to just sign his rookie scale deal. Good, good to go. Everyone, you know, first round picks, it's a salary slot. There's no negotiating. I mean, technically there's some negotiating, but everyone gets 125% of their salary slot. Give Shaden Sharp what he deserves. Keep him moving. You got a potentially really good player. Keep him moving from there. The other rookie though for the Blazers, Jabari Walker, I'm going to try to sign him or I'm going to in my ideal offseason. There's no negotiating here. No negotiating. My ideal offseason, I signed I signed Jabari Walker to the two-way contract. I use my, the Blazers' other two-way slot or I guess in this case, my other two-way slot. Uh, that means the two-way spots would be filled with Brandon Williams, you know, a, an emergency point guard and and, a, and an intriguing big long wing from, uh, from Colorado and Jabari Walker. Like, like, you know, Walker is the the frame of an NBA player with some upside to be really helpful as a shooter and defensive player. But, you know, he's a late second round pick. There's probably a reason he's a late second round pick. So a two-way contract for a chance for him to prove it and stick in the league. at, at um, And now two-way contract is about half a million dollars. So it's not a terrible deal for him money-wise. But it gives the Blazers some flexibility. It doesn't count against the cap and allows you to fill up roster spots with veteran NBA players that probably have a better chance of contributing. Uh, it doesn't mean that Walker isn't part of the long-term plan. See Trenton Watford. If he earns it, you com- you convert him to a um, you convert him to an, a regular NBA deal. Also, it, with on two-way contracts, you keep uh, players can become restricted free agents if you offer them a qualifying offer. So if you like Jabari Walker, 
You offer him a qualifying offer next year. You make him a restricted free agent. You keep him on the roster. Two-way gives uh, teams a lot more flexibility, and they've raised the, the the contracts, you know, the level of the contract up to where it's just not, it's not a financial ripoff like it was when it first started for guys like Walker. Like he's, you know, choosing going overseas versus being a two-way guy. Now being a two-way guy is a totally reasonable decision for him. So that's keeping everybody keep keeping your folks happy. Sign Ant, sign Nurk, sign Jabari Walker, sign Shaden Sharp. Don't extend Dame in your ideal offseason. Then you got to go make moves. In the second segment, I've got moves. I got I got moves dialed in. But before we do that, I want to tell you about Arcade One Up. They brought NBA Jam back and not just NBA Jam. Shack edition machine. Arcade One Up is the leader in home retro arcade games and they allow you to bring the retro arcade consoles into your house. Not just NBA Jam, which is really just like one of the great sports video games of all time, but you know, other classics like Golden Tee, like Mortal Kombat, uh, whatever you're into, some of them start at just $399. And you can, uh, right now, if you want to get an NBA Jam or any other console, you can go to arcade1up.com. That's arcade, the number one up, the number one up.com. Arcade, the number one up.com. Let me get it to you clean one more time. But even better, they're giving away an NBA Jam Shack Edition to a lock on, Locked On listener. All you got to do for a chance to win is go to arcade1up.com slash locked on, arcade1up.com slash locked on, and enter your email address. You've got until July 8th, so get in there and win yourself an NBA Jam Edition and then find out who you're going to play with because it's going to be a whole bunch of fun. All right. Moving on the Blazers' ideal offseason. Got your free agents back. You've added added ants, added a Nurk and got Jabari Walker on that two-way deal. Um, to be clear, I want to be like totally clear here. There's an importance to order of operations in the offseason. Um, and I, this is like a point that I'll, I want to make here because my next move is um, to trade Didi Luzada and a 2027 second round pick to the Philadelphia 76ers in exchange for Matisse Thibel and a 2024 second round pick. Why does this happen? How is Didi Luzada turned into Matisse Thibel? Well, the Sixers are wheeling and dealing. They want to chase Eric Gordon and chase... Um, uh, PJ Tucker. There's been some reporting they've pretty much already agreed to a deal with PJ Tucker. So... Uh, they need to clear a little bit of space to clear some extra space. And Matisse Thibel's, you know, four million bucks. If he's going to not have, you know, if they're going to add some other wings to the roster, there might be less playing time for him. If they're going to play Maxi and they're going to try to get Eric Gordon and they're going to play BJ Tucker, like there just might be less time for him. Even when they got to the playoffs, there was less time for Matisse because he's just as um, not a good offensive player right now. But this allows the Blazers to slide in. They're going to have to, to make this trade work, they're going to have to use their trade exception that they got from the Robert Covington trade to the Clippers. It's, a, it's their $6 million trade exception. Uh, they absorb uh, they absorb Matisse, Matisse Thibel's contract into that. But to, to make it work for the Blazers, uh, this financially not to work, but just to sort of sweeten the pot in the ideal offseason, is the Blazers trade Dita Luzada to Philly. Uh, Philly might not want this, but in the ideal offseason, they have to, they only get to save so much money. I say, sorry, Daryl Moore, you only get to save so much money. Luzada is under contract for this season and two more beyond it uh, at basically minimum money. But it's, you know, three years of guaranteed money for a guy who does not have a path to playing time. And the Blazers just desperately need to add NBA players to the back half of the roster. So having a guy who's like not going to play and is behind even some other developmental players like um, that the Blazers have recently added 
this is like, this is the good business, right? This is like, hey, we'll give you a future second. You give us a future second. You save some money, but you got to take on a young player who we don't have, you know, don't have interest in in playing. Matisse Thibel helps. Really good perimeter defender, disruptive defender, um, pretty good team defender, decent on-ball defender, like really good steals and blocks guy, disruptive in passing lanes as a helper. Um, you know, not like can... Can guard the point of attack, but not like a crazy lockup guy at the point of attack, but a good defender, like one of the good, one of the really good defenders in the league. Uh, you know, all MB, all defense, first team, all defense upside. He's just a negative on offense. Like he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't look to shoot. People don't guard him like he's going to shoot. Um, he doesn't, and, and then he doesn't attack off of, the, you know, the space that's provided for him. He doesn't have much in between game. Like he's just a negative on offense right now, but the Blazers really need more defenders and more length on the wing. And if the price of getting him is a future second round, like swapping to get a better future second round pick and out from under D. Lozada, this is ideal. That is an ideal move. So that's, that's a trade you make, but order of operations matters. And I want to point this out because I want to use the Blazers mid-level exception and I want to use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. But to do that, you have to not be a tax-paying team. So the order of operations is really going to matter here. If the Blazers are, if you use the mid-level and it pushes you over the tax line, you can't use the mid-level. You'd have to use the taxpayer mid-level exception, which drops you down from about 10.3, 10.4 million to 6 million bucks. Very, very big difference in, in what that first, what, how the, contracts are going to be structured. So you're probably going to have to do the MLE action first. And so my first thought with this was Bobby Portis, three for 33. Um, it's not all of your mid-level money. Like four for 44 is probably all of your mid-level money. But if you use all of your mid-level, um, you're hard capped. And I don't think Bobby Portis and the other moves I've made have made being hard capped worth it. Like I want the, my goal is only, you only hard cap for a sign and trade or, or if you're really, if you're going to be like legitimately very good, being hard capped is no problem. If you're going to be like a lot better, but keep yourself open to getting better, I don't think um, hard cap means you, if you use the full MLE, you use the biannual exception, or you receive a player in a sign and trade, you cannot at any point during the season go over $155 million in salary. So um, Bobby Portis wouldn't do it for me. Here's the problem. Bobby Portis is rejecting that contract because by opting out of his contract, uh, the Bucks have his bird rights and they can offer him a contract starting at 12 million bucks. Blazers can't. Uh, they can only offer him a contract starting at 10 and some change, 10 and a half million dollars. So he's just going to re-sign with the Bucks, like for the, for the same money. So Portis was my, my first target, but he says no. I like Bobby Portis because I think he can play a little bit of four. He can play five. He can shoot. He can rebound. You're never going to have to worry about him playing hard. You might have to worry about him playing smart sometimes, but never have to worry about him playing hard. Um, he's he's turned into a guy who just chucks up three-pointers as a real stretch stretchy five. You, he, you can steal minutes with him at the four. Um, some some versatility there. Not a great like perimeter defender or, or, or defender in space or a guy who's going to like run the schemes that the Blazers want to run, but a good drop defender and a good a, like a good basketball player. You don't worry so much about scheme when you're trying to upgrade the roster. Portis was my first pick, but he's going to say no. Even the ideal offseason, you get rejected. No negotiating, but you do get rejected. So I'm going to pivot with my next move, and I'm going to sign Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, Clippers have they kind of they've kind of made their moves, right? They've extended a qualifying offer to Amir Coffee. They've they've extended um, 
Avita Zubac. It's been reported that they're going to re-sign Nick Batum. That means like they're probably going to try to make some moves to kind of free up some roster spot as opposed to add more. They're going to sign John Wall when he when he clears waivers. Like the Clippers are going to have a full full boat adding Amir Coffey to the mix. Um, so it means Isaiah Hardenstein's going to enter unrestricted free agency and is going to be looking for a payday. I like Hardenstein's game a lot. I think he's a good defensive player. He's a great passer for his, someone his size. Um, he he became a pretty darn good offensive player. Makes decisions out of the short roll really well. Like he's he's a really good backup center. Um, he's probably like a low level starter in the league, or at least like he's young. Like he could he could turn into a pretty good starting center in the league at 24. But like he's you know he was a guy who had some had a little bit of juice when he played for the Cavs. Like hey, this guy's got a little something, and then he really got it going on a good Clippers team. I'm offering him three for 33 and hoping that he takes it. In the ideal offseason, he says yes. Bobby Portis says no because there's a path to him obviously making more money. I'm not sure there's a path to Hartenstein making obviously more than the full mid-level. So the Blazers are going to basically offer him the full mid-level. Three years is important because it gets you his bird rights. A uh, two-year contract maybe is more appealing to him because he could dip back in, but I want a three-year contract because you get the bird rights. When he comes off that contract, you'll be able to keep him if you want him. And he'll be entering you know, his, his physical prime at that point. So like if Hardenstein works, you want to be able to pay him to stick around. So that's that's super important. So those are the three moves to add some parts. Uh, well, it's two moves and one rejected move. Trade for Matisse Thibault. Add Isaiah Hardenstein to the back half of the roster. Then you got to kind of do some housekeeping stuff. Let's go housekeeping stuff and... Uh, and what the final roster is going to look like in the ideal offseason. That's what we'll do in the third segment. But first, let me tell you about Sakara, the wellness company that is truly, truly anchored in food as medicine that's on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. They're giving you the tools you need to transform your life with their organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. They got nutritionally designed, chef chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and they're made with powerful plant-rich ingredients that help boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. And it's all delivered directly to your door. And right now, Sakara is offering my listeners 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter the code locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order, sakara.com slash locked on 20. 20. Still a pass first point guard, still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We are still doing the ideal offseason. Offseason starts in earnest. Uh, this is June 30th show uh, at 3 p.m. East, 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, free agency will officially get underway despite plenty of reporting that that this bad boy is underway here but before we get to the gun starting and the legal tampering period starting until july 6 when when folks can put pen to paper and officially sign contracts i've got my plan to fix the blazers sign Anthony simon sign yusuf nurkic trade for matisse thibel add isaiah hardenstein you're getting bigger you're getting length i think there's two priorities for the blazers but then there's just some housekeeping stuff that i think makes is going to help the blazers the first housekeeping thing is i'm going to sign joe ingles i was very very skeptical of joe ingles but i have chatted with people around the team i'll put it like that um and they're they're they've convinced me that ingles is going to be an nba contributor next year 
he's 34, coming off the worst season of his career, and then he tore his ACL. So I get it. And and if you listen to this podcast, you know that this is like a legitimate change of heart for me. I was pretty skeptical of Ingles. But Joe Ingles is two years removed from being one of the best bench players in the league. And what he does is like exactly what Portland needs. He's 6'8". He can handle the ball. He can really shoot it. So he's that secondary playmaker and he's a really big, a really good shooter. Uh, he's not this like elite defensive player. And I don't mean to to paint him as that. But he's big enough and smart enough on defense. Like he's just like a tall person who's smart enough on defense to not be a negative on that end. Like he can get got. Like he's, you know, getting older, slow footies and coming off an ACL injury. Some, he can get got. You can chase, you can get angles in space and cook him for sure. But he doesn't regularly just get thrashed um, because of his his smarts on that end he's got really good hands uh, and he's just big like and I the, that combination of like at least competent defense with some pl- plus playmaking and, and serious shooting uh, both off the dribble and as a spot-up guy I, I'm I've I've changed I've changed my mind I'm a believer in Joe Ingles so I'm going to sign Joe Ingles to a two-year 24 million dollar contract so the first year Fully guaranteed, 12 million bucks. Welcome to the squad. Second year, a team option just to prove it. And because he's a little bit older, um, you know, it's like, I don't want to offer him two full years because you just don't know his health. And the team option allows, you know, I'll be nice. If Eagles doesn't want to play, I'm not going to lock him into the deal. But like it, it's, it, it allows some comfort if he's good. Say, hey, yeah, 12 million bucks. Come on back. We'd ha- we'll be happy to have you. And also allows him a, a large enough contract to be traded in the future, quite frankly. It does feel a little weird that I've liked Joe Ingles and I'm still kind of paying him to be a trade asset, but that's that's what I'm doing. Like I, I, I think he can help if he's healthy. Um, and when he's healthy is really going to matter for sort of the value of this contract. And if nothing else, he's the right, at 12 million bucks, the right size to be put into a trade at the trade deadline and help upgrade this roster further. Joe Ingles is coming back two for 24, a one plus one, a fully guaranteed, and then a team option on the second year. I thought about this a lot, and I thought about the ideal offseason where I would like craft this perfect trade. But the more I talk myself into it, and the way the trade rules work for a non-guaranteed contract, where the Blazers would have to treat Eric Bledsoe's contract like the guaranteed portion, three and a half million, and the and the but the team they're trading him to would have to treat it like the full deal of of nineteen million dollars. It makes crafting a reasonable trade where where the other team would be into it significantly harder to find one that I think is like reasonable. I think the Blazers can get involved in some kind of uh, convoluted science, convoluted multi-team trade where someone needs to clear space and getting, and you know, you take on some bad money or you do this and that, and you can make Eric Bledsoe's, um, Eric Bledsoe's contracts work. But for me, one, I'm probably just not smart enough to pull that off. And and two, like I wanted this to be within reason. And like concocting a four-team trade that's like, don't worry, everyone says yes to this, like isn't within reason for me. Uh, those are too hard to pull off. The Blazers will figure it out. <laughs> Joe Cron's been doing this for almost two decades, like 17 years of NBA experience. Uh, me, I'm a... I've hosted a podcast for four years. I covered the NBA in various capacities for eight or nine. Uh, but like... So I didn't find a reasonable move for Bledsoe without combining him in other places where I don't think teams would want to take on the money or I don't think, or you'd have to guarantee a larger portion of his contract. So it doesn't seem as viable. So what we're going to do with Eric Bledsoe's contract is just, is just stretch and waive the three and a half, three and a half million dollars that guaranteed to him. So it's a smaller cap hit. Uh, It lets Bledsoe go 
find a job. Like I think Bledsoe will play in the NBA next year. Um, I think he's good enough to be somebody's backup point guard, right? Like, um, Hey, hello. Hey, Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I got a, I got an idea for you because you definitely need another uh, ball handler. You need another dude who can dribble, Denver. You got rid of all your dribblers um, with the reported trade of of sending out Monty Morris and, and Will Barton. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, if nothing else, can definitely dribble. So look into it. Look into it, Calvin Booth. But I'm going to stretch and wave Eric Bledsoe. That means that there's still a spot, though, on the back half of their rosters to get to 15. And I'm going to use that as a minimum contract to sign Damian Jones. The Blazers just need size, and they need insurance for big guys. Uh, they need insurance for Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Portland's a little bit sh- little bit shallow at the four with this roster. Trina Watford can play a little bit of four, no problem. I think Greg Brown can... Uh, um, beef up and end up being a like a four, like an emergency type power forward this year without much worry. Although he's um, a little a little chaotic, uh, so you wouldn't want to uh, rely too much on him. And even like Jeremy Grant is a power NBA power forward. He's just not a very good rebounding NBA power forward. Nizir Little and Justice Winslow can both play some some minutes at the four and get away with it. But like true size at that spot, the Blazers don't have. So I debated between a four and a five. I landed on a five. I think Damian Jones at the minimum is a really good deal for a third center. Um, I, I think he's good. Like I think I think he could be a backup center and be fine. Like he's he's pretty good. He just has some limitations. Like he's not. Um, He's, he doesn't have starter upside in the league, and he was pretty good for the Kings. Um, has some, has some, you know, touched around the rim, is is just like big enough to be physical on defense, and that really matters. I like him. I like Damian Jones, and that's why I'm offering the, the minimum. So where does that land you? Ant, Nurk, Jabari Walker, Matisse Thibel, Joe Ingles, Isaiah Hartenstein, Damian Jones. What does that leave you with? Here's what the roster looks like after an ideal off season. Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, T. Steibel, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic. And off the bench, you've got Josh Hart, Nazir Little, Justice Winslow, Joe Ingles, and Isaiah Hartenstein. 10 deep, 10 deep for real, If assuming that Ingles is ready. And if that's 10 deep without Shaden Sharp playing, 10 deep without Sharp in the lineup, if Sharp is is ready to go, you find room for him over Justice Winslow and figure it out from there. But I want to be, t- I do not want to rely on a teenager. An ideal offseason does not rely on a teenager. You want to carve some minutes out for him, but frankly, I do not believe that guys need to play NBA minutes to develop NBA skills. Um, I, I, I think at some point you got to commit to finding them minutes, but I don't believe, I. you know, I think Shaden Sharp can become NBA ready by without a guaranteed rotation spot. And if he proves that he's ready behind the scenes or in training camp, you, you make, you drafted him seventh overall. You just find space for him. You just say Joe Ingles and, and uh, Justice Winslow, you don't play every night. Or you say Nazir Little, your spot is in jeopardy. Like it's like, you know, like you're in competition because this kid is too good not to play. So that would give you 11, like, playable types. I think 10, really the way I view it is 10 plus Shaden Sharp. Back half of the rotation includes Trenton Watford, a guy who I think is a fringe rotation player, but with the way I've built this team, he does not have to play every night. And I think that is ideal. Then you've got Keon Johnson, Greg Brown, the third and Damian Jones. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned Keon Johnson because I read my list out of order, but if I didn't, you still got Keon Johnson on the team too. Um, two way guys, you've got Brandon Williams and you've got uh, Jabari Walker. Brandon Williams is your emergency point guard. Jabari Walker is your 
like big wing insurance in case it gets there. You don't want him to play. Like that's the that's the plan. You want to be too good to play young guys. That's the plan. That is my ideal offseason. Tell me what you think. Uh, let me know in the YouTube comments. I know you will. Or email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. The next time we talk, uh, Friday, free agency will have started. Moves will have happened. We will we have moved on from the ideal offseason to the re- reality of the offseason. Make sure you come back for Friday's show. It is going to be fun. Thursday is one of the most fun, like exciting days in the NBA. The first couple hours of free agency when contracts get signed and teams make moves and all that is really fun. I will have all of that covered on Lockdown Blazers from a Blazers angle, but we'll talk all the big moves in the league, everything that happens and everything the Blazers did. So come back and join me for that show. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.